Welcome everybody to the fifth episode of, of our podcast here in the perspective today with me Magda and Beatrice. We're both very happy to be here with you. Yeah. Uh, as always, that this is not even like we don't even need to say this. We are always excited. This is the <laughs> best part of the day. Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> and today on a perspective, we will look at the topic of choosing the right path. Dun, dun. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> yeah. Um. Do you feel anxious already? Do you feel we're putting pressure on you already? <laughs> oh, I'm putting pressure on myself. <laughs> I don't yeah. need to put pressure to the <laughs> listeners. Um, no, no. All, all is fine. All is great. This is just a perspective. So we don't need to be anxious about it. Uh, we are here to acknowledge our individual right paths. And I think that that is something that we need to always uh, keep this sentence in mind. This is your individual right path without the quotation marks, because the quotation marks on the right path, that's the we will be discussing about that, of course. But this is not something you need to pay attention to. Just follow your true right path. And with that said, we can now continue to the anxious episode <laughs> of choosing right path. <laughs> <laughs> yes, because I think that really with Magda, one of the points we share and that we agree upon is that we both belong to a generation that was really mm, put, that, that was really um, mm, pressured. pressured into thinking that there is one right path. And uh, I don't know if it's really a generational thing. I think it... Do it does depend on the fact that our parents belong to a certain kind of generation that made them believe that this it, is the right path. Exactly, because in their world, when they grew up, it was actually true. There was one right path. But the problem is that in the meanwhile, the world changed. <laughs> Just a tiny bit. Exactly. Just a tiny bit. Yeah, that's always... Oh, well, not always. I noticed this quite recently for me. Because when uh, my mom was talking about university way, way before I even thought of university, she was like, oh, there's like for her uh, university, there were six people for one place. So actually just getting into university was accomplishment in itself. And then finishing it, it was even more. So like you have the diploma, you have the paper. And now you can continue into a glorious life of a master of some kind. We're 21st century. We have a computer in our pocket. And the world doesn't live like that anymore. No, there are PhD degree holders that are working as waiters. <laughs> so Exactly. Yeah. And I think that's the most um, sad thing. But what can you do? The world is changing. But the perspective on the word state, I think, at least in my family, because there is a really big gap between um, parents and children in my family. So my cousins are a little bit, I'm the youngest one from my cousins, but the gap is not that big. The gap is more or less 10 years between the oldest and me, the youngest. And... Almost every, I think everybody from my cousins, they followed the path, school, university, work. For some, it took them to 
great places, truly. Like, I'm happy for them, what they do. It's great for them. Go for it. But for some of us, uh, they finished it and now they're doing a little bit something else. Or they have a degree and that degree means nothing sometimes. But their parents and my parents were in the times when still having a degree meant something. So, of course, we are pressured like kids to go to follow the right path. Mm -hmm. Yes. And I think that also for if maybe there are some parents or future parents listening to us, it's really not we're not just talking about our parents as if they were the worst people in the world wanting us to do what we didn't want to do in the first place. No, it's really just about received information and in general cultural systems because for instance my parents they were always very open about uh, my ideas about my future so they were always very supportive and always said you can do whatever you want but still in some way some way that maybe I cannot even explain properly maybe it was just irrational I I felt that they expected me to follow that path. In some way, I knew that if one day I woke up and I said to them, hey, today I want to be a travel blogger, they would not take that as seriously. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's really not... I mean, you can be a very open parent and be very... um, very attentive to what your child, what your, uh, what your children want to do, but it's really about imposed norms and received norms that you have about what is normal for a young person to do and what is normal for a young person to yeah. the path a young person. Also, I think the very important thing is uh, we are saying normal. In a very loose definition mm-hmm, of yeah. normality, it's. I don't think we both fit to the psychological or <laughs> s- um, uh, society way of normal. <laughs> no, I don't think so. <laughs> but before we dive in um, deeply into the rights and wrongs of both sides, I think it's good for you to know our. Not perspective, but our life of the right path. So um, I'm the one abnormal here <laughs> because I I went to good high school. I then applied to university. I did finish all the classes and all the exams, but I don't have a degree. I choose not to uh, follow the path of having degree instead of I came here to Hungary for EVS. Take it as you will. <laughs> uh, it's original for sure. It's for uh, well, it also took me uh, half a year longer to finish because I went to Portugal for Erasmus. Mm, mm. I had some problems there and I had to finish one semester later. But uh, the reason I decided not to, well, of course, there was many reasons, but I think the one, the first one was I came to Portugal and I saw a completely different university that worked way better than mine. 
And I think looking back at all the events that happened after, that was the first seed of the idea. Why am I stuck in this? I would not call it, it is a university, but in my words, comparing these two institutions, I see some problems with mine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so then... Um, Prior to that, I had some problems uh, in my university, not only me, my friends, that there was a lot of things that were not working. But we all like, we will get through it, we'll finish and then we can be done with it, uh, transfer someone else for master or not even do masters, do something else. But we all went like, we just need to finish that bachelor, it will be okay. I did not finish my bachelor, (laughs) but I'm still okay. Mm. So, and that's, I think, the most important part. You can still be okay, you know. It's not like the world is ending or anything, or that you will suddenly just lose all guarantees that a bright future can be open to you. And also, like for me, um, I followed a somewhat more normal path in the sense that I, um, well, somewhat, in the sense that I decided after high school to go and uh, do my bachelor's degree in another country, a country that everybody thought was the perfect place in the world, the most perfect place in the world. I realized I was very unhappy there, and at some point I told myself, you know what, it's okay not to be happy here. You're legitimated not to feel that you should You know, you should be happy just because everybody else is telling you that this is the most perfect place on earth. So leaving that place was the best decision I ever took in my life. And um, I went on for my master's degree back in Italy. And uh, that was hard because I finished it with a long, long period of time writing my thesis. And that's when I almost became insane and that's why I decided to do something a little different and come here but the the path was somewhat normal in the sense that I did take my two degrees I finished everything I had started to do but but I was constantly constantly on the move and constantly trying to find a place where I could be a little more in peace, I guess, in peace. And um, and that is not normal at all, because I think that right now that is not the priority for a lot of people. Priority is finding a prestigious job, something that pays a lot, and uh, maybe work their life out until they have no energy to spend on anything on their of their own, and yeah, have a lot of money, have a lovely house, and... Um, not be it. able to spend it. Yeah, and also not be able to enjoy it because you are not okay with yourself, you know, because you didn't have, you didn't spend time working on yourself and working on what you want and what makes you happy in the end because it's all about that, you know. You know, what the, uh, it was interesting for me <clears throat> because when uh, I was in Portugal, we had English classes as well. And we had mixed, uh, well, mixed uh, in meaning that there was uh, economy people and uh, management. So economy, I think, was first year management, third year. And since I was uh, studying mathematics with economy, 
they put us into that pile of people. <clears throat> but also in uh, Portugal, what is happening, because you need to pay for university, and it's it's not that much, because from what I remember, it was f around 400 euros. But 400 euros for them is the minimum wage. At least it was a couple of years ago. So if you're making the minimal wage, you're not able to pay for your university. Easy as that. Mm -hmm. So in my class, there was a girl that was, I think, 18 years old. But there was also a girl who was 26. So we had uh, quite a variety of people. And then on top of that, Erasmus people. So different countries, different ages. And um, because this was marketing and economy, we sometimes were in that area of questions about money, about governments, about systems. And one day uh, our teacher asked us, like, what is your goal money-wise? How much money you want to earn? Like, is the money happiness or like you want to have millions or you're okay with your everyday job? And what I answered that time, and the answer stays the same until this day, is I want to have enough money to not have financial problems, but also maybe doing the job that I like. So then I'm not going burn out every day from my work and also have that vacation, have that car to be able to travel, go here, go there fly a plane to another part of the uh, world if I fancy that. So, and she was surprised that I answered like that. Because you said the word enough, maybe. Mm. I think so, like, because I was not thinking, oh, I want to make millions. I don't want to make millions. Having millions is a lot of work. <laughs> yeah. And you probably, when you work so much to make millions, you don't have the time to spend them. You know? Exactly. And I'm like, and what I will do with that millions? Spend them where? <laughs> I don't need fancy clothes from Gucci or whatever, Prague, Praga. I don't even know fashion houses. <laughs> like, I don't need fancy clothes every day to feel like I accomplished something. The Right now, the best feeling is having done a project, having done it good, and be happy about it. That's why we have a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, to enhance our happiness. That's... Exactly. So why should I follow the money and then follow the path? But we are getting off the right path. <laughs> Quite a lot. <laughs> so we will go back. <clears throat> this time, as an episode inspiration, we... Uh, well, I found two videos and Bea found a couple of pictures. And one video, at the beginning when I saw it, I was like, eh, whatever. But then I watched it again because somebody else... Of course, as always with this episode, somebody posted something on Facebook and we are now talking about it. <clears throat> so this one, first person, I don't even know who shared it. They shared it, I saw it, watched a couple of seconds, and I was eh, move on. But then another person shared it, and another person. Okay, and I was like, I need to watch this. So the video is calling, uh, following the leader. And the video says that we are raised like a pack of sheep. 
we are following the leader because you are going to kindergarten and then you need to go to first grade and then you need to go to good high school high school and in high school you need to have good marks so to go to the right university to have the right job and then you did nothing because what is right job is it making millions or is it having fun in your work well i'm well, i'm saying fun not to party but like you enjoy what you're mm-hmm. doing and then it stuck to me that he was kind of right also because i mean there are so many examples of people who've accomplished so much even in their small way i'm not talking about people that necessarily have to be nobel prize winners in general people that have accomplished so much even in their small ways that have started that have reached those accomplishments through very sinuous and very uncommon paths and I wanted to share a couple of these stories with you because sometimes we really I don't think we realize how how original life can be. Like for instance, there is one of the a writer I like very much. Uh his name is David White. He was born in the 1950s, so he's still alive. And he's a writer and a poet and a philosopher and uh but mostly I love his poetry. And this guy, I mean, you will think, you know, this guy is a writer, so probably if he had any kind of training, he probably studied and he in the humanities somewhere. Plus he's English, so he must have gone to Oxford or Cambridge or something like that. And in fact, he actually has a degree in marine biology. <laughs> yeah. And I found an interview once and just to tell you how his life actually goes full circle. I mean, these things are not incoherent. And he says that he got his degree in marine zoology and uh he began his uh, working life as a naturalist uh in the Galapagos island and also in the, the Amazon and in the Himalayas and he declared i've written poetry since i was very small but when i was 14 years old i saw jacques cousteau the famous french marine zoologist and inventor of the aqualung sail across our little television set in the north of england and i really couldn't believe that you could have work like this in this world you could actually follow the life of the dolphin abroad the good ship calypso and i was so astonished by it that i gave up all my art subjects and put myself into the salt mines of biology chemistry and physics Then I emerged with a degree in marine zoology many years later and then through sheer luck and fortune I find myself on the shores of the Galapagos island on an, as a naturalist guide and that was really astonishing and that experiencing those islands led me back to poetry and philosophy really it was a long circuit but I went back to poetry because I felt like scientific language wasn't precise enough to describe the experiences that I had in Galapagos. Science rightly is always trying to remove the eye, but I was really interested in the way the eye deepened the more you paid attention. So, you see, these things that seem to have nothing to do find a coherence if a person needs to live them to find a full circle, you know? and it was the right path for him because one thing led him to another exactly that's the also the point that we are not 
maybe focusing enough, just because you chose a path that at the beginning you, or maybe not at the beginning, because at the beginning is always the path for you. But then with years, with months, it's like, did I make the right decision? And then somehow, sometimes it go full circle. And if you didn't take this degree, you didn't do this, you didn't went here, you would not get it. Yeah. I always say something. It's hard because it's kind of untranslatable. But in, in Italian, it would go something like tutto è propedeutico. And it means that everything is preparatory for what will come next. So, you know, like a propedeutico exam is, for instance, if you have to take uh, maths one in order for you to give maths two examination, maths one is propedeutico to keep to take maths too so it's like a preparatory but it's like compulsory you mm-hmm. know and i think everything leads to that kind of path every step you take allows you to get to where you are supposed to go well i think the easiest example for me is if my cousins would not follow the right path of university because uh, two of them went to erasmus so i was in high school I think I was going to first class of high school and they came back and it's like you need to do this if you are ever going to not even if like when you're going to university you need to take Erasmus you need to go like do it so I I always at that point was like okay chill (laughs) I have three years chill (laughs) but then I went to university the first thing I did I was searching for Erasmus options as well Turns out I cannot go on my first year. I can go on my second and third. So then, okay, move the decision to second and third. I choose to go on the third winter semester. I went there. I My English got better. Uh, I met so many people and we were talking and then I came back and I w- still was wanting that people experience, that international community that I met there. So I started looking in my city. Then, uh, by pure coincidence, IMPRA, that is my sending organization right now, had an interview in a newspaper that my grandma reads. So she told me, oh, there are some uh, meetings that you can speak in English in (laughs) Jeshuv. I was like, okay, I will see that. So then I found them. That's so sweet of your grandma. (laughs) Yeah, because she knew like at that point that I... Already at that point, I didn't want to stay in my country mm-hmm. uh, anymore. Maybe not anymore, but on the long run, I was looking for options also outside of Poland. So then I went to Open Cafe on Wednesday. And then I stayed there because that that was the place when I found my international community. But what turns out, the Open uh, Cafes were done by EVS volunteers. And the rest is history, I and guess. The rest is history. <laughs> so, like, I made this full circle going from Erasmus back to Poland, EVS, and now I'm here on my EVS. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I would not do it probably yeah. if I wouldn't go to university because my English, although it was good, I don't think it was good enough, like, is right now. It was three years ago, so, like, of course, my English improved from that time. So it's just amazed me sometimes when I have those moments of looking back and it's like, 
wow, like you can clearly see the line of events leading up to this moment. That's amazing. And I want you to reflect on something because this is something I ask myself not often, but sometimes as I as I think of my best friend's path, for instance, we are I love her so much. She's probably the most important person in my life. And um, she has followed a path that is exactly opposite to mine. So she stayed in our hometown for high school and university. She stayed with the same boyfriend for like 10 years. She stayed with the same friends. She never went out, not even for an Erasmus exchange, nothing. She really stayed in the same spot um, geographically, Mm -hmm. but also, I would say, humanly in the sense of the people she was surrounded by for all her life. While I, (laughs) I mean, I went around a little bit. Just a uh, tiny bit. Yeah, I mean, but sometimes I think that maybe our lives are completely interchangeable. And I'll explain myself better. Because sometimes I think she is happy because she found what makes her not want anything more. She found what is enough for her because she found a university degree that she loves and that she does with passion. She find, found a boyfriend that she loves very much. So somebody who really um, makes her happy. She found a group of friends that don't want her to have more. So she's perfectly satisfied. You know, maybe she is a little curious about what is out there, but she doesn't need to go out and sometimes I think you know maybe if I had found the same things I would have probably had the same life but it was just a matter like the only difference is that it wasn't enough for me you know so I think it's really all about what is enough for you and sometimes you don't really decide it's just where you are I grew up in that city If I had grown up in any other city, probably it would have been different. Probably I wouldn't have needed to travel so much and meet so many people and learn new languages and stuff and always be running around and running around and not staying in one place for more than three years at a time. I don't know. Do you ever reflect on this, that maybe your life could have been different if only? For sure. And the... There was a moment when I thought that because I was the same at the beginning, I went to high school and to university at the same city. And there are moments that you regret doing that, of course, but I tried not to focus on them because I cannot change my decision. But there was a moment when I was like, okay, so I will finish the university, I will do the master maybe even in the same city, have a job, stay. But then I felt like I would be trapping myself because for me, it's not enough. And I think that's the main point. If for you, it's perfect. For example, my best friend, the same example. I love her. She's great. She's the best person I have met. We met in high school. We actually met through our friend, um, 
I was going with her to the same um, class in high school and they knew each other from their uh, small community back home. And we keep in touch like since God knows how many years ago. And she went to university, went to high school, the same place. She got married last year and she's now slowly building her house wow. next to her family. But for her, it's enough. Mm-hmm. So same thing. Like, But I think I was kind of destined to hop on and off cities because I was born in another city. I was born in a way bigger city than I live. I lived before. So there was always like, oh, I was born in Wrocław. So there was always that part of me and I have some family there. So I would visit uh, her. And so I always went there, like for vacation, one week here, one week there. So I, after I got uh, old enough to be able to travel by myself, I always go there every year to make sure that I visit my aunt there. So I will always go there. So now I see the big city. And then, of course, if I saw the big city, I want to see the bigger city. Too. So then I went to London and then I was wanted to go there and the, that and meet people here and there. And so I think I always was destined somehow to move around. And I don't know about you, but I think also that once you escape that, you know, preordained right path... You never stop wanting more. No. Even if you find a way, you find a way to settle in some way. And I hope that we will both find someday, sometime, a place where we can settle and uh, a job that we will enjoy doing. Um, I think that in any case, even if you settle geographically, you never stop searching for something else at some point. Because once you have broken down a little bit the walls of that you know fixed path you won't be able not to see them anymore when they're when they're there i think that's why there are people who will travel in any like any possibility they can take to travel they will do it because if you start doing it and you start doing it out of passion, you cannot stop. Yes, I agree. I agree. And and that is really the great thing about it. Because to remain hungry, I think, is to remain alive. And that's, I mean, at least for me. Maybe it's not the right path for everyone, the one we've taken. Um I mean, I met people who are happy to have their one, two-week holiday mm-hmm. per year. They will choose the destination and they will be happy to explore different paths and different. But they have their job. They're happy in their place. It's just two weeks for a vacation. That's it. And I think that's also the different sides of people. There will be people who once take the pill of traveling, take catch the bug, You cannot, like, you cannot stop. It's really a bug. It is really. Because I first 
I still remember to this day my first proper traveling was to Spain, as I mentioned many times before. And from that moment, at the beginning, it was like this. Once holiday, once a year, every year different place. So because of that, I went to Spain, I went to Italy, I went to Bulgaria, I went to France. But then when there was like, maybe there will be no trip next year, because this was my aunt who was organizing and she was getting tired, like she wanted to rest as well. I was like... But I want. <laughs> I want to go somewhere. So then I would organize trips for myself. That's when Magda started to become the organizer. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Absolutely. No, there is my, a history. Now I know. My family always says that I was the one organizing because I had everything planned long before mm. everybody else. But this is, but also I had everything planned way before everybody else, but not with my life. Mm -hmm. never with my life mm -hmm. I thought at the beginning I had because I went to university I will go to high school I will go to university turns out no life had other plans maybe maybe it was my decision purely my decision like we talked are you shaping your path or the mm. path is shaping you good question <laughs> it is a really good question and I think my answer would be the same it's kind of both because if you are stuck just following your path well stuck it's not being stuck it's just your way of life then you're following the right path of as the society calls it going university having a job having kids getting married well getting married having kids absolutely oh the this catholic order. church won't be happy about it otherwise yep. no 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 and then buying a house and then having grandkids and then so on and so forth yeah but then there's the path of, I started with that path, but I broke out a little, so I'm not breaking out with every step even more. And right now I'm doing EVS project, which for some people, for a lot of people is before university, I want to have this experience. And I think a lot of people treat it as like getting out of the system. That's yeah. mm -hmm. idea of traveling. Well, not traveling, but hopping on and off places. Yeah. Like get out of the system and then do the university, do the job, do the thing. But I did my university. Now I'm here and I see that I don't want to go back to university. Maybe I will. Maybe I won't. Who knows? Mm -hmm. yeah. I have my whole life to do it. <laughs> I think also that really, again, to go back to the idea that something that we talked about in the technology episode, mm, the whole concept of uh, the unexpected and being exposed to the unexpected, it's I think it's really paradoxical because on the one hand, we live in a society and especially a work world, a working world that imposes the unexpected on us all the time, all the time. We have no guarantees at all. People are working six months like donkeys and then they're let off. They have no kind of security. I have a friend who worked for a really important firm in London. Then she had a really good job, like a really good salary and stuff. And someday the boss just decided that her whole department was going to be done. Ended. Finished. So everybody was at home. 
people like there were like 40 years old people with families you know and a, a good job you know a good position a good security suddenly they had nothing in their hands so on the one part we have a society that imposes that kind of unexpected on us and tells us that we have to adapt to it and not only that we have to adapt to it but we also have to take advantage of it creatively of course of course but on the other side when people normal people you know people like you and me decide to take a step outside of what is considered the right path so to go towards the unexpected and also to accept the unaccepted in their lives as a matter of fact in the sense that today i don't know what to do about my life maybe tomorrow i'll know and maybe the day after i will change my mind so these kind of people who accept that kind of experience of unexpectancy in their lives are seen as outsiders and as weirdos and in general people who don't want to conform to a system but a system that imposes that unexpected on you so it's very weird for me how really this right path thing is inscribed within a society where you are not granted with this right path for no. it to be and i know. think many people's aren't because i there was a couple of years a study showed that we need to change our um uh, work and type of work couple of years in the because if you look at it we are kids then we need to go university that in the best case scenario will only last for five years if you're talking about masters but then that five years technically should prepare you for 30 plus years of working <laughs> yeah. which it almost never do <laughs> and maybe it worked yeah. in 50s like mm -hmm. that because mm -hmm. if you also look at this we were reading uh, one post before we started recording We are the 90s generation. So we remember, as we talked about the technology, like we remember the cassettes recorder, the VHS, uh, the first computers that were huge. And now we have... Uh, first cell phones? Yeah, the first... Antenna. <laughs> exactly. Like, I remember my first cell phone... Um, well, my first. It was my mom's that I could use as well. <laughs> was a huge-ass Nokia. <laughs> Like a brick that. Nokia. If you <laughs> throw it against the wall, the wall would be in bad shape, not the phone. <laughs> Do that with your phone right now. It will be broken in seconds. Yeah. So we have that. And we, we the 90s generation, the technology started blooming very quickly. So... In the 50s, of course, that maybe could work if you do university. If you were good at university, then you could do your one job. Uh, of course, climbing the ladder of um, richness and success. Now, good luck with that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because yeah. what, like, my brother, is there's 12 years difference between us. He's, like, if you give him a touch screen, he will be like, tu -tu 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 done. If probably if I would give him that old Nokia, he would not even know how to use it. Mm -hmm. So there's also that. It's not even a gap. It's just like fast forward with yeah. technology. So the jobs that were in 90s when we were kids. So our parents were like, oh, you can be this and that. 
sometimes they don't exist. Yeah, true, true. But I think also that one great thing about the fact that now you can, you know, break free of that right path. You can see that a lot of people, I mean, not a lot maybe, because you also had need to have the guts to do it at some point. But some people have, you know, broken down the walls a little bit and gone a little aside. <laughs> and uh, I find these people absolutely so inspirational. And I wanted to talk about this guy because he's a photographer, so I know you'll be interested in this, Magda. Uh, yes, yes. And tell, tell me more. Like, <laughs> this guy is absolutely my hero. His name is Foster Huntington. He, I think he's just a couple of years older than me. He's American. And uh, basically what he did, he worked uh, as a designer for Ralph Lauren, so a big company in New York. So he was doing the regular, you know, like really burn yourself out because of work life. And one day he decided to leave everything, quit everything, buy a van and just start traveling the country. And so he did. And... It's wonderful because he became an Instagram sensation because he started recording his travels, taking pictures and putting them on social media. And he sold a lot of photo books. Like the pictures were actually selected and became a photo book. But the weird thing is that he has never had any proper training in photography. He basically declared once that it was really thanks to the people at Ralph Lauren and in general all his friends. But just, I mean, they were professional people that he met because there was a human connection, not because they were his professors or anything. Mm -hmm. And he was influenced by their taste and uh, by their teachings through a mutual human experience, let's say, like a sharing of each other's tastes more than a proper training. And that's all he had. And he became a best-selling photography book uh, photographer because he just followed his passion. And this guy, just for the note, like he's even more a hero because after like traveling the United States for three or four years with his van, he decided to, you know, I'm sick of traveling around. I want to settle a little bit. So he built a tree house in the middle of a forest in Aww. Oregon or something. And now he's doing movies with like like 70s or 80s like special effect equipments. And this guy is absolutely incredible because he is living the dream life. But we need to understand that it's possible because, I mean, he is not dying of hunger because he's still working as a, you know, a social media um, expert. He's working as a freelance photographer. He's selling books, for heaven's sake. Yeah, you know, like he's doing money. But he can because he w dared to imagine that he might have a different life, you know, not the kind of life where, you know, you take the subway in the morning at six and then you go to work, you come home at nine, you sleep, maybe you eat something, then you repeat everything the day after. And that is absolutely amazing. And I find these figures absolutely incredible. Yeah, I have a question for you then, because uh, talking about this photographer reminded me something. When I was, I was a weird kid, but I think we know that already. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
And oh, I mean, listeners, she went to study maths in the university. She, so she must have been a weird kid. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> true. <laughs> but um, when I was, and that struck me weird and maybe not weird, but different. Because uh, I, for sure, people have asked you the question when you were little, like, oh, what do you want to be? And of course, the kid's answer is, oh, I want to be a princess. I want to be a doctor. I want to be a fireman. Like these typical jobs. And me, mind you, I was seven, six, maybe. I was thinking, because of course I got those questions um, before, but I was thinking one morning, and I remember it very specifically, who I would like to be when I grew up. And I thought to myself, well, I don't want to be a lawyer, because lawyer has to work a lot, and the, the work. I don't want to be a fireman, because that's usually reserved for men. Of course, women can also join, but that was still the stereotype back then. I'm not good with doctors. And I was like, no. And But never had an answer. I never had an answer. Who do you want to be when you grow up? And then a little bit later in the time, when I was thinking who I want to be, and when I imagined that uh, nine to five job, and I was like, I cannot be stuck in a cubicle for five days per week. Like, I want to have, and this is my problem, even now, I want to have a routine, more or less, that I can follow, but I don't want to have that routine 365 days per year. So how, uh, now the question to you, when you were a kid, who did you want <laughs> to be? You know, it's funny because I went, now this is really funny, really funny, because so... When I was, when I started elementary school, so when I started learning how to read and write, I always wanted to be a writer, always, because I started writing stories when I was about eight, and uh, I always wanted to be a writer even later, like I really wanted it to become my job, but then I stopped writing, and since I stopped writing, I have been... I have been open to the unexpected, but before wanting to be a writer, and that was, you know, a long-lived passion, and this is the funny part, when I was in kindergarten, I remember very, very clearly that I was absolutely determined to become a tiger tamer. <laughs> I absolutely wanted to be a tiger tamer. I remember. Please do. I had. <laughs> I have a, this this drawing of myself because they asked us the question when we were in kindergarten, and we had to draw ourselves, you know, doing the job of our dreams. And I remember that there's me with a green dress and two tigers, and I had one green hoop because the hoop had to match my of outfit, course. Of course. And uh, and I had these two tigers and I was a tiger tamer. So either, I don't know, that is my current situation, either a writer, either a tiger tamer. I think I want to be both now. I, maybe I should write a story on About a tiger being tamer. Tig yeah. yeah. I would love to read that. <laughs> like truly. I should really ask my family to find that drawing again because... I really had, plus, you know, like children normally, 
when they say something like that, it's normally something they have heard from somebody else, you know? So, you know, there's... That's why it's always a lawyer, yeah, a doctor. Exactly. Or... You know, the cool kid says, I want to be a ballerina. And so all the girls say, I want to be a ballerina. ballerina. I don't... I never... Ever, nobody had ever had this crazy idea of being a tiger tamer. And also, I wasn't that much a lover of circus or anything, but I really absolutely wanted to be a tiger tamer. Not a lion tamer, not an elephant Specific Specifically tiger. Yeah. So that's That's amazing. (laughs) (laughs) I was a weird kid too, yeah. (laughs) Good, good. So now I know why we get along so well. (laughs) Uh, The secrets of the studio. Find a weird kid sitting next to you. Uh, (laughs) We should do a game like that. (laughs) We should do a game in Mushtar upstairs. Absolutely. With the guys. Yeah. But, you know, sometimes I think that my younger self you know, the tiger tamer wannabe was a lot wiser than sometimes than what I am now. Because, you know, all of those received information, those received rules, this idea of the right path and everything. You I don't, don't have care. To, yeah, you know? but like, th- that's the thing. You don't have them when you are a kid. Exactly, exactly. And that's the most beautiful thing. You're allowed to dream. You're allowed to dream and you're allowed to dream big because nobody judges you for dreaming a big you're freaking Absolutely. kids and the the crazier your dream job the better the adults will like you and the more they will say how adorable you are exactly so, so wh- <laughs> when is the point that we lose that <laughs> yeah. because i would love like well my situation is not better because i still don't know who i want to be mm. when i grow up yeah. not that i'm grown up right now <laughs> i may be, be 23 but i don't feel myself like being grown up and you should be like this is no, also no. the state uh, of your soul and your mm-hmm. mind and if you want to have fun have fun yeah absolutely and dream big and dream to be a tiger tamer <laughs> <laughs> I really I really want to hear that like I, I want, want to have that book <laughs> can you please write it I will try I will try yeah but you know something that maybe ties into this whole uh, idea of the right path in a different way is it was this winter and uh, I had gone back home for a little while after I graduated and my brother was um, was uh, tidying up his room and he found a box belonging to me and uh, he gave me the box and it was actually like things paraphernalia from when I was like in middle school Things I had absolutely forgotten about. Again, the idea of memory photography, but that's for that's the other episode. And in this box, I found a diary. And it was one of those diaries that asked you questions. So you had to fill in, you know, the blanks. And so I had written this diary when I was like 11, maybe 10 or 11. And there was this question. And it was... If you could change anything of your physical appearance, what would you change? And 11-year-old me very wisely answered, nothing. And I read that and I thought, my God, how innocent I was. Yeah. Because, of course, if they asked me that question now, 
I would reply so many things. I mean, of course, I'm not, I am grateful that I, my face is not a Picasso painting. And <laughs> I mean, I'm, it's okay, you That's know. It's a great it's, comparison. I mean, it's, I'm okay. It's, yeah. it's okay, but still, I mean, I'm not perfect. I yeah, don't. and we see that imperfections. And again, it's a received information that we have and that we internalize. But if you think about it logically, as I was doing when I was 11, I, I, in that moment when I found that diary, I saw that and I remember distinctly thinking, well, there's nothing wrong with me. So nothing. Yeah. And that is so not the right path to think that nothing is wrong with you, that you are you are good the way you are, you know? Because you're constantly reminded, even if you have wonderful parents that tell you that you're absolutely perfect the way you are, it's not about what really kind people and loving people tell you it's about the environment you live in and what you internalize yes and um just for one moment really i was there and i thought you know what what if i tried really to think that way again and not to comply with this kind of narrative that i have to be in this way and just be who i am and think that it's okay I think that's the lesson we need to learn, all of us, um, me included, that the, it's like it's perfect imperfection. You have flaws because you are human. Something we don't realize, I think, quite a lot. We are humans. We will never be perfect because even if you have the perfect look, and I'm using quotations because then it depends on a person what perfect is for you. Your personality may not be perfect. You may have flaws in the way you speak. You may have flaws in the way you act. We are not robots designed to always serve the perfect things. And um, it's not possible. So why when somebody is asking you oh, like the one thing you would change, why suddenly you have a list of 1,000 things you would like to change instead of just saying, I'm good. I like who I am. Exactly. I am who I am. You, know? you are who you are. <laughs> you will not be able to change that. Of course, you are evolving as a human being and you always do that. We learn, we gain new experiences, we gain new perspectives. I'm good. Yeah. And that's absolutely something that we should try to think of a little bit more because it seems easy to just say, okay, I will quit my job in New York, buy a van, travel the country and then build a tree house. But it's really not just about the fact, like the action. It's really not just about the moment in which you decide to do it. It's about your way of thinking. It's a lot deeper and it takes a lot more time it's about the way you see things again your perspective on things life society and obviously yourself i think the society takes a lot of responsibility on the way you see yourself because we never see ourselves through our eyes because it's quite hard you need mirror always you need a mirror to see yourself so the everyday mirror is a society so if the society tells you, oh, you should be this, you should be that, you should be more like this or less like that, 
that's I think that's the answer of why we have that 1000 list of things we like to change and something I struggled for a very long time um, because I happened to meet the wrong people but of course then they shaped me shaped me for the way I am right now that I was struggling with the 1000 list of things I like to change but now I see myself I say to myself I'm good there are some things I would like to work on but this is me deciding that there might be some things, small things. One thing is the ability to rest. <laughs> There's an ongoing joke in the association that I'm a workaholic. <laughs> it's bad for your health. It is really bad for bad. my health. And I am <laughs> trying to change it in small steps. But this is me saying, okay, yes, mm. I see that... This needs improvement. This yeah. is not everybody else telling me be more like this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I completely agree. Yeah. I think it's uh, very appropriate to finish this episode with this beautiful thought. We are almost going for one hour. As always. <laughs> I also always. <laughs> it's um, crazy to me because at the beginning when we were discussing the podcast and the idea how it would look like, I I said to my boss, and was like, well, the episodes would be like 45 minutes, one hour maximum. <laughs> sure. Sure. <laughs> I think underestimated our ability to talk. Our love of dialogue, I guess. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But that's what makes this podcast so beautiful. So, with that, thank you for joining us with this episode. Thank you for listening. Really. Thank you for listening. And we'll see you next time. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>